Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's up, everyone? Welcome back for a brand new edition of Collider Ladies Night Pre-Party. My guest today is basically the definition of why we created a show like this. For when someone makes a first big project that's so damn special that you need to know her name ASAP because <laughs> you're going to be hearing it quite a bit from here. Nikki Atsujusu, congratulations on Nanny and also all the wonderful things that I know you have right around the corner. Thank you, Perry. Your energy is always so contagious. I appreciate you. You you make good movies and you work with good people. You will always get this energy from me. Thank you. So every ladies' night conversation begins here. What was the movie, the personal experience, you name it, that first made you say to yourself, I have to be a filmmaker and nothing else? Oh, God. You know what? I, so I went to undergrad for, I would never thought out. I don't come from a family where anyone worked in the industry, even... I never even knew anyone remotely who had a career near the industry. So it wasn't something that crossed my mind as something that was feasible. And I went to undergrad for biomedical engineering. To, I went to Duke University and I blindly stumbled into this screenwriting course my sophomore year uh, that fulfilled an English requisite. And I had this amazing screenwriting professor named Elizabeth Benfee. I don't remember much, but for her name is so salient in my memory because she, I, I, I remember her in parallel with writing my first script and falling in love with the art of writing a story from scratch, like just pulling something out of the ear. Um, but I did grow up in a household of voracious readers. So I would say, even if I go further back, there was that you know, environment of just reading stories and uh, watching movies as a family. But a career path is different. Everyone consumes movies and TV. And and I actually miss the days where I got to escape by watching because now, like, where do you escape to when this is your career, which is a blessing and a curse. But um, so I stumbled into this course and I fell in love and then I stumbled into an actual production course. And at the time, Duke didn't even have a film major. Um, 
But I was like, okay, I can write this script and I can create the imagery on the screen based on the script. Like it wasn't like a novel that kind of essentially, quote unquote, died on the page, hypothetically. And so you're essentially playing God. So I fell in love with the idea of crafting characters that I yearn to see and worlds I yearn to see as a kid. Um, and my dad sat me down and said, if this is something that you really want to do, which he wasn't elated about, but at least, you know, supported the vision, he said, get a terminal degree. And so we sat down and, you know, MFA for practitioner. I'm not a theorist, so MFA was a terminal degree. And I secretly, I think I told you this story at a, at a, what was the festival? Where did I meet you? Tiff? Very, very busy. Since it's then. all a blur. Uh, yeah, it's Tiff, but I, I secretly only applied to NYU grad film. And I remember I was like delivering sandwiches from my mom's restaurant. I was like on the way back, rethinking my entire life and um, got the call from NYU grad that I got in. And I remember screaming in the car because, you know, at every step of your process, you think this is the thing that's going to make me, you know, uh, had I known everything I know now, I know for a fact I probably would have given up at some point because it's just such a hard serpentine journey, as you know. But um, here I am. Fast forward. Here I am. You know, made a lot of shorts, made a lot of mistakes, essentially became a filmmaker in New York City you know, working with different teams and learning at, at film school and learning in the streets and finally made my first feature. Have you hit that point where where you can basically say to yourself, like, I did this thing, I have this experience and like, I'm here now, I'm doing it and I can feel the possibility for longevity in this career? You know, <laughs> I wish I had you at the top of the day. I would have been a lot more hopeful. No, you know what? I think the most important th place that I've reached is reassessing what success looks like to me now. You know, the thing that you think is the holy grail, you get closer to it and you say, this is not what I thought it was going to be. It never is what you think it's going to be, you know, but I think the most important thing is to be nimble and flexible and malleable in your career and decide, okay, I'm a little disillusioned, but what, how do I continue to create my definition, my definition of success for my unique trajectory? That's what that's where I am. My, yeah, my definition, my path, because yep. everyone's definition and everyone's path is different. Yeah, that's, that's where I am. And, and I feel good about the films that I'm stacking. You know, I feel good, but nothing is real until, and now you, we used to say nothing is real until the last day of production, right? Or even until like, you know, you have a, a cut. Nothing is, now we're, we're seeing like films finish and series finish and get erased from existence. So it's a little scary. It's a very scary time to create. Oh, I have a whole lot to say about that, but I don't <laughs> want to derail from your wonderful, wonderful stuff here. I do you still uh, do you still teach at school? I too? do. I'm no. on sabbatical. Okay. I'm on sabbatical. Uh, I teach at George Mason University. I'm an assistant professor in the film department. Really great department. Really smart professors. Really uh, hungry students. And 
and uh, I'm on sabbatical. Okay. I have, a, I have a question for you about teaching, especially having gone through a program yourself. Yeah. What, is, what is something that you learned in film school yourself that now makes you say, like, yes, that lesson right there really did help me, mm. and now I want to give that to my students. But then mm. on the other hand, what is something that you went through in film school and figured out did not really work, and instead you've evolved that lesson and you're giving them something new? Oh, Perry, you always ask really smart questions. And I have to apologize to you. My brain is completely fried. Honestly, so. as it should be. I would be disappointed <laughs> if it wasn't because right. that would not enough people are covering your movie. True. Yeah, I, you know, I like the way you think. Growth mindset. <laughs> we love that over here. But uh, I, something that I learned. So I had a really amazing screenwriting professor at NYU grad film named Mick Casal, Italian guy, screenwriter. He really took an interest in me. And, and I remember writing my second year short film that was your first that's your first big film at nyu grad film like the stakes get really high your rich classmates fly back to beijing and make like a, a hundred like a million dollars short and it's like oh you start to see like the class differences and the resource differences and um you get intimidated you know you get intimidated by resources or lack thereof and he just really was like you could really make people cry with this short. You could you could make people feel something at the end of this. And he challenged me to do multiple drafts and really evoke emotion. What I did have in my favor is that I was telling very personal, specific stories that no one else could tell. And that is one of the things that I took away from a really NYU grad film, Rings Bells, Scorsese, Spike Lee, all the names, right? Um, but it's easy to get intimidated when you're in the institution because you're surrounded by privilege. And um, what I did notice is that some of the most privileged students had nothing to say, had a lot, a lot of vacuous, vapid, gorgeous looking stories, you know? And at the end of the day, if you tell the story that only you can tell, it will rise to the top. And I still believe in that wholeheartedly. So I often challenge my students to think about, you know, don't don't try to dictate your storytelling based on what you think the industry wants, because the industry doesn't even know what it wants on any given day. You really have to hone in on who you are and, and what 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 is the story that makes you feel something tangible that wakes you up in the middle of the night that you know, you can't shake for a really long time. What is the story that you get signs from the universe that you have to tell? Because if you pay attention, you do get these signs from the universe. And so that's something that I cling to. What was the second question? <laughs> so something that you were taught in film school that didn't really work for you, but you figured mm. out a way to evolve it and make it more usable for your students. Oh. You know, I don't want to slander. I'm not going to say any names. I had a producing professor who, with no irony, like not not even any sense of self-awareness, sit in front of my class of very astute students um, and said that films with black, predominantly black cast and black leads just don't sell overseas. And, and he said it like it was like just this fact, like there was no follow-up, there was no emotional uh, supplementation. There was like, it was just like, 
saying the sky is blue because, you know, of this. And it was just, I remember sitting in class, one of the three black people in my grad NYU film class, um, and thinking, this is a guy who's produced a lot of films in the industry because most of the professors teaching at NYU grad film have the luxury of having worked in the industry. You know, it's a really prestigious school for that reason. You have working filmmakers and producers and writers. And I remember thinking two things, even, you know, as a young student straight from undergrad, I remember thinking that's racist, you know, one and two, uh, this guy has been working in this industry for a long time. Imagine if I was a hungry filmmaker and my script landed on his, you know, table. So it was a little disheartening. I was a little disillusioned. And I say little because this was not something that was new, maneuvering a space where a teacher who had all this responsibility said something that was very racist and just everybody just kept going like, you know, somebody said a fact. Um, so it wasn't new to me, but it still, it, it reinforced my desire to prove him wrong. I remember thinking that much. And I remember thinking like, what does he, how does he know that? You know, I, I just remember just a lot was going through my mind. I wanted to prove him wrong. I was like, who is he to say something like this? And, you know, I just always think about the films and the ways this industry has these ebbs and flows of diversity. Um, and every time we have these surges in diversity, it, it's proven that the more diverse the content, the more lucrative the film, you know, does in terms of box office numbers globally. Anti-Blackness is a thing, you know, racism is a thing. However, if you continue to believe a thesis statement, you know, as the beginning of your argument, you're going to reinforce that thesis statement based on you believing it from the beginning. Um, but if you're working to affect change and you're working to inspire students to believe that their stories matter, your thesis statement changes, you know? And so it's just a lot of responsibility that educators have. And I think oftentimes a lot of the damage that is done to young minoritized filmmakers is done in the academic space where they're told that they they don't matter their stories don't matter. i literally went to film school with like asian students who were only casting white leads in their films at the time like asian american classmates and i knew that that was conditioning it was thinking that your stories are not good enough your representation doesn't matter and that's conditioning that we all get in different ways and so as an educator, I just take my job really seriously and as a filmmaker to fight back against that really uh, harmful messaging. I'm so glad your answer to my teaching question was still a yes, because <laughs> like we, we need that mentality and those forces out there. And I really do believe you're going to be able to make a difference for a lot of up and coming filmmakers and just for the industry in general. Thank you. I mean it. I mean it. Um, going back to something we talked about at TIFF a little bit, we were talking about your break in writing the screenplay. And you had said that you took the break because of a financing challenge. And I think you yeah. called it soul sapping. So <laughs> having gone through that process with your first feature, is there anything you learned about the financing process that you think might help another budding feature mm. filmmaker out there? Or is that process on an independent level inherently soul sapping? And there's no 
nothing we can do about it. Yeah. You know what, Perry, you better teach at some point. You would kill it in the classroom. Like we need you in in academia, particularly, you know, teaching elements of this industry. I think that there's a mystique to this industry that a lot of people, it's intentionally shrouded in mystery. But once you peel back the layers of the mystery, it's like, oh, this shit is a shit show. You know, it's like, okay, but let me actually answer your question. Um, In all honesty, I credit having gone to film school. I got into this industry having no understanding of what it took to make a movie. So I went to school and I learned about it and I learned that I'm better on this side of the business. But now I have an understanding of what actually goes into the process and it made all the difference. And you feel more confident in talking about these things and not just, you know, so anyway, it's a, it's a great domino effect to get the education if you can. I, yes, finding financing, I won't lie. I'm always straddling the line of being honest about my path and like not wanting to diminish people's dreams or uh, sap people of all the hope that they have in their paths. But, you know, it's it's possible. Obviously we're here as a testament to the fact that it's possible. Yes, finding financing can be inherently soul sapping uh, because we live in a capitalistic society that that bases the value of your art, your passion on capital and who decides, you know, the value of your film, who decides uh, if your film is going to perform well based on theoretical algorithms and all of these things that are not real. It's all very subjective. So in that sense, you know, pitching the film with my producing partner helped me a lot in terms of having a teammate. I wasn't alone because a lot of the process feels very lonely. Finding a producing partner was the first step in Nikia Moteri, who truly, I, I think I said this when I met you, but who truly wanted to produce was not secretly vying to like take my spot as the writer director who didn't secretly, you know, have this script up her sleeve that she actually wanted to to get financed herself. She truly wanted to produce my film. And so that's the first step and then, you know, taking meetings with people you have some meetings where the person clearly doesn't give a shit and clearly doesn't see it for you because you're two black women and you know, it's somebody across the table who's not accustomed to seeing two black women peddling an idea that has value. And so it's a lot of that. It's a lot of navigating people's predisposed ideas of who you are and what you're capable of and whether your story matters or not. So that's, I think, the most debilitating part of the process. But once you start to find people who, for whom your story resonates, that's when you know these different light bulbs go off that your story does matter, that you just need to find your audience. And maybe your audience is not a majority of the people reflected in these rooms, but you have to be a little bit creative. So our first, we, we went through this program called um, uh, um, Catalyst with Sundance, where we pitched to many, many financiers. Like some people had 500K to put in, some people had a million, you know, uh, just piecemeal. And you you learn the art of pitching and really selling your idea. That's a skill set that needs to be honed. But yeah, it's a, it's a laborious serpentine process. But I think what's most important is that you figure out your tribe. You figure out who's going to be in the trenches with you, uh, telling your story and finding the money and the resources. 
you start to hone in on which financiers um, see it for your story, see themselves in your story. Uh, the, my Our first financier in shared a very personal story with us, you know, relating to a nanny that blew my mind. I would look at her and never think that she navigated the, the things that she told us, but she was our first money in because she saw herself in our stories. So I think nanny is a story that whether you had a nanny growing up who raised you or you currently have employed a nanny who was helping you raise your child or your mom was a nanny, you know, they're just many ways into this story and and that's helped us to really solidify our team so we found an amazing tribe of producing partners who came in and um once you find them it's you know just a matter of assembling your creative team i've gotten the rap sign usually that would break my heart when i've only gone <laughs> you through such good questions. my questions but <laughs> the thing is that just means that i need to have you back on for another yes, episode, part two it's listen so you're Anytime. one of my favorite people. Anytime I see your name or I see your face, I will make the time. I love it. I'm going to take you up on that offer. And I will tell everybody out there, please, please, please keep an eye out for Nanny. You'll be able to see it in select theaters on November 23rd. And then you can watch it on Prime Video as many times as you want on December 16th. <laughs> already watched it too many times. I'm picking up all the little details. Oh, my so God. Much. God bless you. Congratulations. <laughs> Until next Thank time. Thank you, Mary. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.